Hello, welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers. This is episode four. Uh, I'm joined today by Tom. Hello, Tom. Hello, Rick. Hello, and I'm joined by Samuel as well. Hello, Samuel. Hello. Episode four already, I can't believe it. I know. <laughs> it only seems like yesterday when we started. And yet, indeed, and yet another combination of Tom and Samuel. Yeah, yeah. And in all the permutations. Still the same old Rick, though. Yeah, it's still the same me. Got a few things we're going to talk about today, so we're going to talk about some games that we've been playing recently. We've got an interview with Alex from Castle Gaming. We're going to talk about a question of the week, which is uh, how do you deal with alpha gamers in a cooperative game? Uh, but before that, I had a package come through the post the other day. Ooh. And it was quite, well, it didn't come through the post actually. It went to the post office because it wouldn't fit in the letterbox. It's a, it's a book, and it's called um, Georgian and Victorian Board Games, the Lyman Collection. So Arthur Lyman was a collector of board games. And he had a huge collection going back from the 1700s to the 18, late 1800s. So these are really old, uh, really old sort of classical ga- games. When um, when England started doing their printing presses and they started creating these things in the in the late 1700s, they were used for entertainment purposes. So this book is kind of a, a collection of of his his board games that he had. And they, they've taken photographs of all, all the boards and sort of the rules and things like that and put them into a big uh, coffee table book. So it's really interesting to, oh, to nice. sort of flick through this and have a look at the, have a look mm. at the boards. So uh, we, we talk a lot today about artwork in games and like how, how good the artwork is. But a lot of the artwork that are on these boards are quite good as well. They're quite, quite well illustrated and a lot of them are hand coloured as well. So what they do is they oh. have, a, have a printing press where they print uh, a black sort of copy, sometimes on linen, but sometimes on card as well. And then they'd be hand coloured by, uh, by the workers who, who did them. Sometimes they'd have a template, sometimes they'd do it by hand. Were you quite luxury items then? I'm not sure actually. I, th- I think they would have been quite expensive. Yeah, they, they would probably been, would have been out of the price range of, of some people, but I, I don't know. I, th- I think uh, th- there's no prices on the uh, on them, <laughs> so I'm no. not sure. I'm not sure how, how expensive they were, but they were really popular. There's quite quite a lot in uh, in, in this actual book. The, some of the pages uh, kind of fold out as well, so oh, you've wow. got your double sided book, and they fold, it folds out again. So there are actually a couple of games in here that you can play because the the printing is kind of big enough to actually see the entire the entire game board. Oh, wow. uh, what, what's quite interesting is that hardly any of them use dice because obviously that was um, that was frowned upon in uh, in Victorian circles. Mm. It was associated with gambling, so a lot of yeah. them have a, a, what they call a totem, and it's like no, one of those things that you spin. And oh, yeah, it's like hex on a yeah a spinner. You so you spin it round and then it lands on a side, and that'll have a number on it, and that's that's how many, how many spaces you move. Most of them are just roll and move. Uh, and, and most of them are kind of ed- either educational or purely for entertainment. So some of them are quite comical and some of them are educational and they'll talk about the politics of the day. Some of them have kind of maps on and things like that. So they're educational in, in, in that way and they'll yeah. show you like about the world and the and the British Isles and things like that and where the, where all the different things are. But but the artwork in it's fantastic. It's it's brilliant to actually see some of the some of the stuff that um, nice. that's in here. There's like a game based on the Crystal Palace, you know, the exhibition that that okay. was held in the in the late 1800s, and it shows you like the drawings of the of the actual palace itself, while it was, where it was held, and um, you know the inventions that were on display there and things like that. So yeah, it's really interesting. It's a fascinating piece of social history. I mean, it's, mm. it's how it fits into the. Uh, the culture of the day as well. I mean, I know a lot of them were like uh, trying to teach um, moral lessons to the young people. 
uh, you've yeah. been a bad boy, go back five spaces, that sort of thing. Yeah, there, there are quite a lot of uh, moral kind of board games on there. I think, that, isn't that something to do with Snakes and Ladders? Wasn't that like a yeah, moral, that was a... moral game to start with? <laughs> yeah, sort of. I think that had something to do with uh, Destiny and Fate. I'm not sure exactly yeah. how, but yes. Yeah, yeah there's, there's no strategy to any of these games. They are purely roll and move. They, they purely entertainment, first and foremost. Ed- educational, secondly, perhaps. But um, yeah, there's no there's no strategy as such. It's just purely kind of rolling the spinner and then seeing seeing what happens. Uh, there are there are a couple that are played with cards. So as as well as the boards themselves, sometimes they'll print the instructions as well, so you can actually read the instructions as they were as they were produced and put oh. into these games. Uh, and some of them are played with a deck of cards. So what they'll do is they'll take out some of the cards and the variations on gin and uh, gin gin rummy and okay. other, other variations of games. But yeah, yeah, it's really interesting to sort of flick through and sort of have a look at the illustrations that are in there, and, and yeah, just have a look, have a read of it. So, what what are you guys been up to? Have you been up to anything these past couple of weeks? Um, I've been playing not that many games, to be honest. It's been just too too warm to do anything. Uh, I've played some, obviously. Yes, I've uh, we've played through our latest box of Unlock, which is Heroic event- Adventures. Uh, do you know the Unlock series at all? I don't know if you've uh, yeah, yeah, I've played a few of them. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the escape room. Yeah, I've played a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, I think, and the, there's a couple of the ones from the first box. Yeah, With you, is... possibly, Tom, I can't remember. Quite possibly, yes. <laughs> we played something on the 24 hour thing, didn't we? I don't know if we did play it. That was a Deckscape, I think. Oh, right. I played, yeah, that was I played one at a Sunday session last year, year before. Yeah, but this is uh, Unlock Heroic Adventures, which I think is the fourth box of three adventures they've released i'm not sure and it had three separate sets of uh, cards which you work through in a using an app to time you and to put in codes and uh, and so forth and it's um it's three totally different things that do, do, do different things with the uh, card mechanism and it's uh and they're adding in new things like virtual things like you you Press a number for the card and then hold it up to look at cards and go, oh look, it changes the card. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're having a little bit more app integration and just the rather than just the uh, deck of cards now. It's uh, <laughs> and it worked really well. Is it getting harder as they go from box to box? Um, I don't think it's getting harder. Uh, I think it's just changing the uh, a few different mechanics and now it's now it's working it's they've got a couple of them this time where it's not just the cards they've also got like a uh, a leaflet or a booklet to look through as well so they just okay. they keep on trying to add new things in which is good they're not just sitting back yeah and, yeah yeah i thought the uh, there's one based on video games which is really good one based on sherlock holmes where you had to sort of <laughs> um solve a mystery in a kind of escape room kind of way uh, which was very good as well, and another one based on Alice in Wonderland. Oh which, wow! Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to pick these up. I really like the unlock ones. Only trouble is I've got a couple of Deckscape ones that I'm not even played yet, so <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to find time to play them. But yeah, the unlock ones are good. I want to play those more. I've not played very many of that kind of thing, and I only have to do. do. Do they still have the numbers? You have to find the numbers kind of hidden in the in the pictures. Oh yeah, yeah. They're... The cards come in a weird order, and you've got to search through trying to find number thirty-seven, and then card A, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. which is, I suppose, the intention of that is sort of mirroring the desperate searching around an, an escape room, trying to yeah search for clues. So yeah, it's just mirroring that. Yep. 
I've been playing a game called Call to Adventure. I've played this a few times. This is a this is kind of a it's it's seems more thematic than it actually is. It's about building a hero and kind of putting together this the you know the life story of this this adventurer that's going to go to go out and and do things in the in this in this fantasy world. But really, it's a it's a card game, and you're basically collecting icons on these cards. So it's, it seems like it's going to be really thematic about going out and fighting monsters and things like that. But it's not really. It's more of a, a set collecting game. It's uh, it's produced by Brotherwise Games, and it's plays between one and four players. It takes between thirty and sixty minutes, and um, you have sets of cards that are out on the table, and you have what they call runes. Uh, they're kind of like two-sided dice. They're like flat kind of dice. Imagine a dice that's kind of being flattened down to just have two sides. And these sides have successes on them, either zero, one, or two successes, depending on the rune that you're picking up. And the the more runes that match your symbols that are in your character, the more runes that you roll and the more chance you've got a success of, uh, of getting more cards. So it's basically about getting these cards and, and matching symbols up. Um, it's fairly quick. You only get uh, nine cards throughout the game, so it's it's not going to be terribly long. But um, it's uh, it's quite good. I like the artwork in it. The artwork's really good. It's the, all the cards have got like fantasy kind of depictions on there, and you've got like a starting set of cards. Like you can be an orphan or a pickpocket or something like that, and then you kind of you go on these adventures, and you eventually you end up fighting a fighting a demon or becoming the archmage uh, as you as you go through the deck of cards. It was quite good. I enjoyed it while I played it, but I don't think it's particularly... It's going to last... You know, it's got the longevity. Um, I think it's kind of three-quarters of a good game. I've got the feeling they kind of took out some stuff to be put into expansions, and I know there are expansions coming out, at least a couple that are in the pipeline. So that that's one downside. Once you've played it a couple of times, you kind of know what you're looking for, and there's not much that's going to be different in there. But uh, I really like the runes. The runes are quite good with trying to work out, you know, you, you know, kind of the chance of what you're, what you're going to get and you can risk it and go for it with just the runes that you've got or you can throw a few dark runes in that give you more chance of getting, getting the results that you need. That's quite good. It does kind of build up a story, which is quite cool at the end. It shows you, you know, what, what your origins were of your character and how it, how, uh, what you're doing now and things like that. So that's, that's good as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, you, did you play this as well, Samuel, with us? Did you play this one? I know. I've seen you playing it a couple of times, but I never actually got uh, to play it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's worth playing a couple of times. But like I said, I think after that, you probably uh, get a bit bored with mm. the combinations. It just needs another mechanic or something else in there to kind of make it a really good game. But it, it was fine as it is, and it's, yeah, it's it's good. Just having a look at this on Board Game Geek, and it did look very pretty. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. I mean, the cards are like uh, four-fifths of them are the artwork, and then a little bit of the... Text on the bottom about what they actually do. Yeah, they're they're kind of tarot-shaped cards. They're not like normal cards. They're a bit longer and a bit bigger. So you've got plenty of space for some nice artwork on there. Yeah, very nice. Mm. Possibly a bit unnecessary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have been... What have I been playing? I have been playing um, the expansion to King Domino. Along with the base game, obviously. Um, Not just on its own, not be silly. Um, King Domino, Age of Giants. I'm sure most people are familiar with King Domino, so I'm not going to go <laughs> over the rules of that particularly, but it's a, a tile laying game where you're building a kingdom and you, get, you score points for the number of crowns each of you, the areas you make. Um, uh, a very nice, quick, breezy uh, game. Yeah. Takes about half an yeah. hour. Yeah. Nice and quick. Um, so, yes. So the expansion sort of adds, adds three things it adds a fifth player, 
um, which is always nice. So you can now play with five, because the original game played two to four. Um, so it plays two to five now with the expansion. I suppose arguably actually adds four things. Arguably it adds four things because it also adds a little tower to stack all the tiles in when you're dishing them out and turning them over, um, which, which works quite well actually. They come out nicely at the bottom. Um, and you can keep them in there after the game as well, whatever. so that's good. Um, and the main thing it adds is the titular giants. So there are six tiles with giants on, and if you end up with one of those, you have to take a giant piece and stick it on top of one of your crowns, and then that crown doesn't score at the end of the game. So you get less points. Um, but then there are also... Um, those those giant pieces are... Well, actually, they're labelled A to F, so they come out before the numbers, so they're all the, all the lowest ones. And then there are six... Uh, more tiles from 49 to 54 because the original tiles go from 1 to 48 um, picking in the higher the number is, is the better the tile so these ones are the best tiles these ones have got foot, they've got two crowns on one side and one on the other in different um, land types but they've also got footprints on and if you get one of those and put it in your kingdom you can take one of your giants in your kingdom and give it to somebody else to put in their kingdom they get to choose where so you can move the giants around so instead of you losing the points somebody else will which is quite nice there's a little bit more tactical thought there about can i get that one you know is it going to come out when oh no it's come out and i'm not first player boo <laughs> it gets quite annoying coming out at the wrong moments it's like, Arr. Um, Although if you still get giants, you can still win. I was uh, played against my mum recently, and I got four giants to her, none, and still won because <laughs> um, of how I've done the thing. And then, and then the other bit it adds, which I really quite like. Um, the original game had a couple of ways of, a couple of um, sort of ways of scoring bonus points. So you had five points if you had a, you had a complete square, and then you had ten extra points if you got your castle right in the middle of your completed square. Hmm. Um, the expansion comes with 17 bonus tiles from which you pick two, so they now have 17 different ways of scoring bonus points in the game. It has the original two and then another 15, so instead of having, and so you pick two, so instead of having it being in the middle and the square, you might have points for every tile surrounding your castle that is water, or you might have castle being in the corner, or you might have... That's cool. Points for every forest in a corner, or points for every various, various other things. Which is quite interesting. So that that changes the game up quite a bit. And uh, if you're used to playing King, as I was, if you're used to playing uh, King Domino, we're always trying to have your castle in the middle. To suddenly not have to have it in the middle is quite weird. <laughs> like, oh, I don't have to get it in the middle now! Mm. Hooray! <laughs> it's it's quite bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> you're not actually forced to stick it in the middle if you want the bonus points. Is it like a modular thing? Can you put in those? And leave out the giants, or you could you could add and take them out as if you wanted to. Yes, you could, for example, play without yeah. the giant tiles if you didn't want to. You just take those yeah. tiles out. It still works. Although you couldn't play five player without the t- giant tiles because you need yeah. those extra tiles to make enough tiles for yeah. the fifth player. Um, but you could do, and you could take out the extra bonus tiles if you wanted to yeah. as well. Um, ironically, the first game I played with the expansion. I'd shuffled the bonus tiles, and the two I drew at random were five points for a completed square and ten points for your castle being in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I'm going to redraw them. <laughs> I, weird fluke. But yes, I just, I, I, I really like the expansion because it, it adds just the right amount for an expansion to add. You get a few extra bonus tiles, which is really nice because that adds a bit more, even more replayability to the game because you're not always aiming for the same things. 
And then the Giants is sort of quite nice because it's an extra mechanic, but it's not one that's going to massively overhaul everything. It's just going to add a slight tweak. You don't even have to play with it if you don't want to, or if you you know you can leave it out if you want to just play with the ordinary game for a bit as well. You know, I mean, even play with it, it adds a little bit, but not you know, like I said, it's not changing it a mm. huge amount. It's just changing it a little bit, and I really like that. Mm. Sounds good, yeah. Yeah, it was nice. I picked it up with the UK Games Expo actually. Dave B and I were talking about it on the way down, and he, I think he picked it up as well while we were down there. But yeah, I'm glad they picked it up because it's really quite nice. Yeah. Is this one of those expansions where you'd uh, much rather play it with the expansion than without, or will you sort of sometimes have it with, sometimes without? I think, certainly with the extra bonus tiles, if you like the bonus points, we always play it with the bonus point tiles, probably. Um, oh, yeah. I think the Giants is something you could put in for a bit, take out if you wanted to, and it doesn't really lose too much. Right. Really, it's not sort of. I don't. I don't think it. I would say it significantly improves the game, but then the game was pretty good anyway. Mm. Um, or was very good anyway. It didn't. It didn't need significantly improving, as it were. It's not that kind of an expansion, really. Like I said, I just really liked it because it, I, I just think it adds just the right amount for an expansion. It's quite nice. Or it's a completely different. It's in a completely differently shaped box, which is a bit. Yeah. Uh, it, the the King Domino box is quite small as well, isn't it? So you probably can't fit it into the same box. Do you? It's a small square. This one's more of a, a slightly slightly deeper rectangle. So I've got all the basic tiles and there's the thing that holds it all, which is quite good because you can kind of put it in this box and it sort of shuts mm. magnetically and you can stand it up as like the dispenser so it's good when else all that with all the tiles in it is in one box and everything else is in the other one yeah I like King Domino yeah it's a good game and uh, yeah sounds good so that's yeah I'd, I'd recommend the expansion if you like if you like that have you, have you played Queen Domino I've played it twice I think I I found that having played King Domino first I wasn't as keen it added a bit too much for me hmm um, to the the basic thing, you sort of you had the the dragon thing, and the queen was an extra crown, which is okay. Then you've got the extra tile type, which was sort of a bit. I wasn't as keen. It kind of it kind of for me it kind of slightly spoilt the the, the simpleness and pureness of the original King Domino. I think I felt the same thing. Yeah, it's just um, it's not what you'd expect from King Domino. So it's it's not that it's a bad game in itself. It's that it's compared yeah. to King Domino, it's just different. The Age of Giants expansion that definitely still feels like King Domino. Just a couple of little extra bits that, that mesh in very nicely. So yes, I'd recommend that if you like King Domino. Yeah. Um, if you want, to, if you you played it a lot and you're wanting to change it up a bit, but yeah. Uh, another game that we've played recently is uh, one called Junkart. I didn't actually have a, a dexterity game in my collection, uh, so I've been looking out for one to to uh, pick up. And I played this one a few times, and it was on special offer, so I thought I'd, uh, I'd buy this one. Junkart is kind of a stacking game uh, where you stack plastic pieces on top of each other and I think there is a wooden version as well where the pieces are made out of wood yeah a bit more expensive I have the wooden version uh, I've got um, yeah it's the plastic one that I've got yeah the wooden version is is preferable just because it's less like a snap I mean it's a bit nicer yeah but I'm sure the plastic yeah. version is fine it's uh, it, it's kind of it, it's not the same rules throughout you, you've got some cards which are city cards and these yeah. will give you slightly different rules based on uh, based on the card that you've drawn so one might be a speed game where you're trying to build the tallest tower in the shortest amount of time one might be where you're passing cards around and you're giving other people pieces to put on their structures uh, there's also one where you actually change seats as well so yeah. you have to put some pieces onto your structure and then you swap seats and then you get, you get a new structure in front of you, which is quite good fun. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got to make sure you don't bash the table when you're doing that and you've got to make sure you've got space to get around the table as yeah. well for that one. But Yeah, yeah we, we did find that, um, I guess this is the problem with any uh, any 
dexterity game, but we, we banged the table a couple of times and everything just collapsed. <laughs> yeah. But that kind of adds to the, to the fun of it as well, I think. It's, it's not a long game. It's like 30 minutes. So even if everything collapses, you can always just rebuild it or play another, play another round with another city card. Yeah, the, it works really well. The plastic pieces are good. It all, it, uh, I think they've been designed to kind of fit together, but not fit, fit together perfectly. So you've got like lots of flat pieces and like square pieces, there, and then a round piece, which is like almost spherical, but with kind of a flat one flat edge on it. The uh, the stacking of it is good fun. It's 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 trying to build the tallest structure, but you're not always trying to do that because the city cards give you a bit of variety. Sometimes you're trying to put like colours together or like shapes together. Sometimes you are just going for the tallest structure and, and building it up that way. Yeah, and some of some of the places are cooperative. You're all building on the same structure as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it plays between two and six players. I think I've played it I've played it two, three and six players and it works well. Yeah, it works well either way. Some of the games don't work with either two players or six players, but what you do is you just take those cards out. Yeah, I think there's one that doesn't work with more than four and one that doesn't work with less than three. Yeah. I think so, it's so if you if you do draw that card, you can just draw another one. Yeah, and mine came with um, three blank cards, so you can make your own cities and your own rules up. But, yeah, yeah. And then it came with a card where you've got cities that you can use in conjunction with flick 'em up. You get the cactus pieces and the cowboys from flick 'em up, and you flick on the flick bullets at your opponent's towers to knock them over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which I tried once, it was quite good fun actually. Uh, obviously, yeah. again, not as it's a building game, it's not perhaps for everybody the destruction element, but uh, it's a bit of a change. Uh, yeah, it's a good game. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. It's good fun. Uh, like I say, it's really quick. It's like 25, 30 minutes to play. It, even yeah. if you play in all three cities, it, it doesn't take long for your structures to kind of build up and become unstable. So yeah, it, it, it's got its own end built-in kind of thing. It, it ends when you've dropped a certain number of pieces or everything falls down or you lose whatever. So that's that's fine. And uh, yeah, it was really good fun. I, I yes. enjoyed it. I've, I've really enjoyed this. I bought this one to buy this. I was wondering, uh, with this game, is it, do you think, uh, like concept, where a lot of people play it with just ignoring the scoring rules? Just just play through this city, see it wins, yay! Let's play another city, see it wins, yay! Yeah, we'd, yeah, yeah. yeah. just carry on going until you, until you stop. Yeah. yeah, you could yeah. play any number of cities, really. It suggests three, yeah. so that's what I tend to play, but you could just play any number of cities you wanted to, really. The scoring tokens in the plastic one are a bit naff. They're, they're just like little round plastic tiddlywink type things. Yeah. So they were, they were a bit of a letdown. I would have yeah, liked some nicer scoring the wood, tokens. The one, in the wooden one that I've got, they're wooden... I'm sure you could play this with just ignoring yeah. the scoring tokens. In the wooden so. one I've got, they're wooden, black and white wooden discs. Which oh, the discs, yeah. Nice. They're just flat plastic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're flat wooden discs. It's sort of similar to <laughs> <than> plastic. <laughs> but yeah, you, but you yeah. don't have to use them. You, you do play for points on most of the games. But um, I, I, I did find that after either one or two games, somebody had got like 10 points and somebody hadn't got any. So you, you know you're, you're not going to win on the last game anyway. So Yeah, I found that a few times where you suddenly thought, who's going to win? Oh, the winner gets three, everyone else gets two. Well, that's kind of, that's, you've won then. There were one or two places where I thought the scoring was a bit three or two. I said, well, that's not much difference for the effort we're going to put in, but anyway. And then, and then sometimes you'll get a bonus if you've got the biggest structure or the yeah, tallest or whatever. Sometimes. So you, you know you know you're not going to win if you know the points yeah. the maximum points you're going to get is four or five and somebody's got ten then yeah you're yeah not win, I did think the scoring could be a bit more varied um, yeah but other than that it's quite good I thought the variety in the different types was quite good you know the fast yeah. ones the together ones the ones where you have to keep building until stuff falls down ones where you build up to a certain point 
Yeah, what one's even a trick-taking game. The the cards have numbers on them. Yeah. So you play cards and you you play like tricks, and whoever wins a trick gets to decide who gets to play which pieces. Yeah. So and then, it, 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 yeah, it is quite good. And another one, you get a color each rather than just having any because there's four different colors. Yeah. Um. So that one, you each have a different color rather than just whatever pieces you end up with, which is a bit different again. Um, I, yeah. one one of the um, roll with it things. I think it was the last one actually. Um, I've got a picture of Tom having got into a slightly awkward position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did play that. at the club, and there's like some long, thin, uh, thin, spher- uh, like cylinder pieces. So they're about three or four inches long, and, and one person, I think it was Polly G, he'd kind of stacked them on top of each other. So he'd put <laughs> one down, and then another one on top of it, and then another one on top of it. So he's definitely going to win the tallest structure, but definitely wasn't the most stable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you can get some quite good, uh, some quite good um, results out of it once you've once you've actually finished. You you, you know you've got a, a, something that you've built in front of you, which is quite satisfying. Yeah, it's got some really great moments of just. Oh, wow, I can't believe I just did that. When you're kind of leaning a piece in against another piece or you've got something balanced on top of the round piece and things like that, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, J- good. Tom's yeah. got a pile of yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 17 things, I think. <laughs> and the top's getting very wobbly. Wow. <laughs> it's all kinds of just, it's getting yeah. mangled. We've got, yeah, he's trying to put another one on, but... <laughs> Mad. I've got um, I got the expo another similar game called Bantu I think Bantu or Bandu one or the other Bandu I think I always get the name wrong look at that yes Bandu which came out um, which is kind of similar you have loads of it's I mean it's basically just two massive bags of lovely wooden pieces <laughs> I got it for I got it for like fifteen quid at the bring and buy I was having a woman. I was, she was between she was between that and junk art actually. In the end, she bought junk art, so I thought I'd buy that one. Yeah. But there are some really horrible pieces. If you look, Google some of the pieces, there's all kinds of the red ones are the difficult. There's all sorts of spheres and meeple shaped things and just things that just one the one that's basically just a golf tee. There's like meeple <laughs> things, literally actual almost spheres like an egg shaped thing, <laughs> and all sorts of other things. And every single piece is different. There's a few. There's a couple. It's like some bits was like. Spare bits of wood you'd find lying around, like a couple of mini bits of wood. A six blocks, which are sort of a nice uniform shape, but after that everything's a bit of a mess. Mm. And it's similar, but you have you have crystals, so you're kind of bidding to try and get pieces or to not get pieces. And then if you run out, obviously you just can't bid. Mm. <laughs> so there's, I think there's four different games, but you could just... I mean, I've just sort of played around and just tried to make towers out of it, which could be quite <laughs> fun. Um, mm. And then some of, some of the pieces have sloped ends as well, so you're sort of trying to... It's all a bit... There's some very crazy shapes. Yeah, we'll let's try that one time. Yeah, I'll bring that to the yeah. at some point. It's a bit... I mean, the, the games they came with are not, sort of, they're not as good as the Junkart sort of cities. Hmm. Um, there's not as much variety. But the pieces are really nice. The box is really nice. Um, hmm. Artwork and stuff. Um, I mean, and 15 quid for a massive bag of... Massive, basically, a massive box of just wooden pieces is pretty nice. Yeah, it is, yeah. Like, it's... You know the shapes are just so awful; it's ridiculous. You've got—I mean, that one does like some kind of wooden Christmas tree, which is like, how the hell am I even supposed to do anything with that? <laughs> so, quite part of one is supposed to run out, just having this horrible shape, have this horrible shape, have this horrible shape. And then there's one or two of the game modes is you can give—I think—you give somebody a piece, and basically they can either try and put it on themselves, or they can get you to put it on. Right. And so you can try get on without knocking it over. So it kind mm. of there's a bit which that which drunk car doesn't do. I just thought I'd mention that as it's similar. Mm. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, also, uh, looking back at your uh, your book about 18th century and old mm. board games, 
I'm wondering if this tradition of wooden blocks uh, that you'd find in junk art and and uh, bandu goes back to something called frubel gift. Uh, if you look it up on Wikipedia, it's F R O E B E L, and frubel. Froebel fr- mm-hmm. um, was the guy that invented kindergartens and yeah, he also right. uh, created this uh, standardised set of blocks or set of gifts in, which included this uh, set of whole wooden box uh, blocks that would oh, just yeah. be uh, given to uh, kids at various stages during oh, yeah. their I just googled a picture of it yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and this became sort of a you know went along with the kindergarten movement and became a big thing in all of uh, uh, a lot of children's lives, especially in Germany and wherever the uh, kindergarten movement uh, spread to. Uh, And it's influenced a lot of people. Uh, The whole uh, Bauhaus movement was uh, created from that. Frank Lloyd Wright had a set of blocks when he was a kid. Yeah. The Corbusier. Yeah, but I mean, building building stuff when you're a kid is fun, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Lego is really popular, and sort of, you know, right. building blocks for younger kids and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just and it's still it's still fun when you yeah I when you play. Yeah, I had some shatter blocks when I was younger. We make mm. French shatters that we got from France that were that kind of thing. That was good, and you can get. I've got some other. I had a little set of wooden blocks as well. Yeah, um, but I'm not sure if this whole thing of uh, giving wooden blocks to kids to play with just started with verbal or whether it was uh, something that people did in a smaller way uh, earlier on and just sort of standardised it. Mm. I expect Jenga played a part as well. Oh, yes. That <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. another one. Uh, Stacking wooden blocks in a slightly different sense, but it's essentially a similar thing. They've just got, in, they've just got inherent yep. play value, haven't they? Yeah. Just do it. Just I mean, like with with board games, it's a it's a physical thing, isn't it? You've got all the stuff in front yeah. of you, and you've got your meeples and everything, and it's and it's kind of is there, but um, you, you don't really interact with it that much. You take your turn, and then it goes, sort of goes round. Whereas with these kind of dexterity games and flicking games and things like that, it's more yeah. hands on, isn't it? It's more tactical and more more physically yeah, based than perhaps. We'll have to do flick an episode on uh, flicking and dexterity games one day. Yeah, I've <laughs> yes, got two to flick it up, and I've got yeah. Pitchcar, and I've got um, Miles Golf and stuff. So, yeah, we can do that. That's a good idea. Uh, what else have you been playing, Samuel? Any other games? I have one I played this last week when we were recording this, um, and I've played before and really like. Uh, it's a game called River Dragons. Mm-hmm. I don't know if either you, you've played that or not. Uh, I've not played it, no. Have you, Tom? Okay. I have with Samuel. Yes. So River Dragons. This is a. It's a place two to six in somewhere around half an hour. Although with six, it'd probably take more like one hour. Basically, it's an action programming game where you're trying to be the first to cross a river. So you, you, there's sort of six islands around the outside of the board, and you each start on one, and you're trying to get to the one sort of essentially opposite, possibly straight opposite, or possibly diagonally opposite. And in the middle of the river on the centre board, because there's an advanced board as well, uh, the centre board has lots of these little islands on. And then you get, each player gets a set of sort of cardboard, six different length things, cardboard, sort of strips of cardboard used as bridges, and there's a pile of wooden, little wooden grey discs which you use as stones. So the idea is you put stones on the islands and then put the planks on the stones to make a bridge. Mm. And then it's got, it's got really nice meeples actually as well. It's got like proper little painted meeples, so it's really, really nice. And they've got little <laughs> slots in, in the box as well. Which I thought was a nice touch because it didn't really need them, but yeah, the production quality is nice. Yes, so you're trying to build bridges to get across this, across the river. So 
um, each round, everybody chooses. You've got a hand of cards uh, each round, and you just choose. You just get to choose. It'll be somewhere around ten. It, it varies a little bit with player count, but it's around around ten. And you'll choose five of them and put them down in the order you want to do your actions, as you would in an action program game. And then everybody turns over the first one, and starting with the first player, they do that action, and so on. Then so the first player will do their action, next player will do their action, and so on. Then you turn over the second one and go around and do the actions and so on. And then the next round, the first one move on. And you, you repeat until somebody wins. And what I like about it is that, as I think perhaps with in programming games, there's a lot of propensity for things to go wrong <laughs> and get messed up, generally from the other people, because there's a fair bit to take that. So, as well as the other cards are putting a stone or, a stone or two stones down and, a, and bridges and moving, you've got things like, so you've got a card that you to get rid of a stone or get rid of a plank. And so quite often this is usually the plank where somebody was about to move, um, so then they have to move somewhere else. So then they're in a different place where they thought they were going to be in, so then it starts going wrong again. <laughs> and there's one or two restrictions on what, you know, what kind of planks you can remove and so on as well. There are... so that's one thing. You will, um, The other major type of card is that each player gets some dragon cards, one for each of the other players. And if you play a dragon card, so let's say I played my dragon card third in a round, Let's say I played a green one. The green, the green players' corresponding action, so their third action, wouldn't happen. They wouldn't get to do it at all. Uh. Which can really mess you up. I'm going to put this down. Oh, I can't put that down. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, dear, this has all gone wrong. There's one, two other restrictions that sort of can make it harder as well. So each stone can only have three uh, planks coming off it. So you can... Oh, I can't build to that one. Oh, I can, oh that's annoying. I can't get off here because all these are blocked. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Um, and then when you put these down, you've got to try and put them somewhere, even if it doesn't help you sometimes. So, like, I've got to put this down, but I can't put it down for me, so it's going to go over there somewhere. <laughs> so you can get, it gets quite entertaining trying to plan out what you're going to do and how it invariably not work at all. It's, 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 it's very entertaining, and of course you do get the end, something that Tom likes, I know, where you like, this is what we did, we've built this thing on the board, because it gets a bit 3D as well with the planks going up and the, yeah. the meeples. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, I just I really like it. I mean I just I happened to come across it in a shop when I was up in Edinburgh and I had a quick Google in the shop on the phone, thought, Oh this looks quite nice and uh, bought it and played it and really, really liked it. Um played it with Scott Fry actually he went he's gone he's bought it since then because he really liked it. But you That's always a good sign, yeah. If yeah. somebody else has played it and then thinks, yeah, they like it that much they're gonna it's, buy it as it's well. It's quite yeah. good fun. I tell yeah. you, I, I, I have played it a bit of a mean trick sometimes. Because on the first round the instinct is to put I'll put a couple of um stones down so I can put some bridges down so I can move so I, I'll put my first card down as a dragon to stop somebody putting stones down so then they can't put bridges down so then they can't move <laughs> so they can't do anything <laughs> and if they're not realising that we're going to do that it completely screws them up it's about half an hour um, the box says 25 minutes but so about half an hour can get I've had the games lasting up to an hour with sort of six players yeah um, and it takes two to six yeah um, oh right, so it plays up to six as well. That's pretty good. And it, it, it played six was obviously took a bit longer, hmm. but was generally quite fine because obviously you're all doing your cart planning at the same time, and then you're going around doing things. So it's quite it's quite quick. Hmm. I mean, I've, I've had rounds where literally nothing's happened because people have just blocked each other, so no one's actually <laughs> had an action they can actually do, <laughs> which can be quite good. So yeah, it, it's quite nice. It's it's very easy to set up and teach as well because you just basically to teach it you just go through what all the cards do. You explain that you've got to get to the other side, then you just go through all the cards in a sensible order, and then you've explained it as well. It's quite nice because there's cards, but there's never any shuffling, so your cards are not going to wear out. 
from constant shuffling either. And yeah, it's got lovely minis. It's got a nice, nice uh, thing. And then the, the other, it's got an advanced board where there are no islands at all, so you can put the stones wherever you want. If you want a bit of a challenge, you don't have to put them on islands. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Tom, what did you think of that one? I thought it was really good. It sort of uh, got a little bit of a uh, dexterity element uh, mm. and sort of judgment of distances and things. Uh, yeah, but you... mainly it's just trying to do things and failing because other people got <laughs> in the way, which is, is, is a lovely dynamic between players. Yeah, and you can't. You, the the meeples can't move past each other. Either, so you have to try and jump over somebody or move a different way as well. Yeah. And then if you if you fail what sort of movements or somewhere you end up falling off into the river and have to go back to your starting island. It always happens with um, uh, programmed actions games. Have you ever played Robo Rally? Yes, I've played that. We played that for the twenty four hour thing. I got a bit did. annoyed, but I've, I've since it's... bought it and played it a couple of times myself. Yeah, that's got the same thing. You program in your actions, and then you, you, uh, other people's actions can make you just fail. So you just know. <laughs> Oh, I know that my next thing is uh, is go forward too. Oh no, they've just turned me around. Oh no, now I definitely have to fall in that pit. Um, yes, and the other thing with that one, of course, is it's, it, if you'd want to do it this way, which is the best way to do it, is that you can time the planning phase on that one. So you yes. get your hand of cards. I'm up to, uh, what I, oh god, what am I doing? I don't know what I did there. I did something. I don't know what it was. Help. Yes, it's got a nice sense of panic in that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the actual difference is you don't time the, time that phase, but it's much better if you do. <laughs> It's much more hilarious and just goes hilariously wrong if you try and do it. Um, it can take a quite a while because it's kind of a racing thing. I was playing at the club, I think, with about I think it was about five or six of us. We played that place up to eight as well. That one. We were playing about five or six, and we well, we had a four gate thing, and I think we had to stop after somebody got to gate two because it was we'd spent about two hours on the game. It can. <laughs> nobody be, got yes. nobody packed got past the second gate because people kept crashing and starting again and everything. <laughs> but it's yes, again, very entertaining. I, yeah, I, I do quite like an action programming game because of that chaos. I, I like, I get, I get quite into games that have that kind of chaotic element of, oh god, everything's gone wrong, help. Because um, generally they tend to be fairly light and fairly light-hearted, so it's not, you know. I think the hardest I've ever laughed in a game is playing um, Robo Rally with at uh, Poly Gcon a couple of, a few years ago with uh, okay. uh, Sam. Bike. Uh, uh, other Sam, not not other 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 Sam. Uh, Psycho Man, Man Sam, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Got too many Sams. Um, yeah. And just the the second time I did exactly the same thing of getting on on a a conveyor belt and then turning around and falling straight off the edge of the board and just I did exactly the same thing two times in a row and I just I just knew it was going to happen and then it just <laughs> happened and. Uh, but, yeah. then I, but then after that, I got myself up and I, and I won, so, you know, it's fine. Fine, yeah. And then the other good programming game, of course, is Colt Express. Um, oh, yes, of course. Which is kind of similar, but, of course, then you didn't do the actions until everyone put all their actions down. Mm-hmm. That's a bit different. But again, that's one of the first games I played at the club, and I really enjoyed it, and I bought that myself. But mm-hmm. it was one of the first games I bought, pretty much the first game I bought after joining the club. And that's quite good fun, because you're going to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Oh, that, I'm not where I thought, oh... <laughs> It's quite fun when you, you go, I'm going to move down. Oh, the sheriff's there. Oh, I've, got, I've moved up. Oh, oh I'm going to move down. Well, I know, move, everything you else move I do You move sideways, get hit by the sheriff and go up. Then you're planning to go up, so then the up becomes down, so you go down and hit the sheriff again. <laughs> the, 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 the marshal again. <laughs> I'm just, that's very unfortunate. Like, oh, you, oh. If, you, if you get moved to a, somewhere you weren't expecting on your very first turn, you just the rest of your turn, you're just turning over these cards and going, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> yes, I, I, I've once, I can't remember who it was, I've once seen somebody plan that out their entire turn, and then as we're going through it, well, they were looking at completely the wrong figure the entire time. Yep. Oh dear. <laughs> <And so> they, 
finding out completely that their moves didn't make any sense at all. They're all completely wrong because I looked at the wrong figure for the entire turn. Oh well. <laughs> Which is hilarious. So they were all completely pointless moves. It was silly. Uh, yeah. But again, I quite I quite like that kind of game. We've got uh, we we play games on a Tuesday in Sheffield at the University Arms, and we also play a Wednesday at Castle Gaming as well. But board games is only a small part of what Castle Gaming do. They do hold events for all sorts of th- different things. So I spoke to Alex um, about what what else goes on at the shop, and here he is now. I'm here at Castle Gaming with Alex. Hello, Alex. Evening, Rick. Hello. Uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, happy, happy to be here. Happy to be here. <laughs> uh, can you tell me a bit about yourself, please? Sure, sure. Um, well, my name's Alex. I'm one of the uh, one of the co-owners of, uh, of Castle Gaming. Been a been a, bit, uh, a hobbyist for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm thinking way, way, way back, maybe 1995. I think I got my first GW kit, which was my introduction into the into the whole tabletop hobby. Yeah. Um, naturally, as, as a kid, you know had board games and things anyway yeah. but I think you know workshop was definitely the the black hole that sucked me through yeah. um, and ever since then it's been multiple thousands of pounds and years later <laughs> and, and you know e- e- even even today I've still got a bunch of marines downstairs that I'm, uh, I'm making so there's, there's no stopping that but no I've, I've very much kind of been into uh, in sci-fi fantasy for quite a long time you know grew up kind of watching Book Rogers Battlestar Galactica oh, yeah. Stingray yeah, Thunder yeah. Bears the whole Jerry Anderson thing <laughs> A lot of it inspired by my dad, really. Yeah. He, he he very much kind of grew into it as a kid um, in the kind of like late 60s and 70s. And then I've naturally inherited it. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a bit about the shop, uh, about the Castle Gaming itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Castle Gaming very much is a project yeah. uh, that, that me and, and the guys were talking about for a very, very long time. Mm. Uh, we originally started out at the Castle pub up the road uh-huh. uh, in Bolsterstone which I believe is on the ruins of a castle originally. So yeah. we've kind of got a bit of a legacy thing going yeah. on there, castles yeah. and castles. And we, we kind of talked a lot, quite a long time about initially just getting a venue for all of us to be able to play. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's five or six of us that were kind of core players at the time, you know, um, myself, Craig, Jason, uh, when he would come up and things. And it was really nice to kind of have a space we used to use upstairs in there, you know, put all the beer tables together all different heights and things it was a bit, bit of a hodgepodge thing but it was quite nice in a very kind of you know basics let's just kind of chuck our models down and play or we chuck uh, board games down and things and stuff and then have the food delivered upstairs it was it was really nice yeah um, and that kind of evolved and morphed into when we were driving down through Stockbridge one day we were looking at properties thinking mm, you know we, we we wonder how much it would cost to, to, to really get a place and and have a have a space that's our own as we we tried looking around at the library and again at the pub and things and they were good and it was it was okay on a small level but just really not enough mm. to kind of get us get us off the ground and I suppose build something that was that was as accessible as, as the shop is today. Mm. So we took the plunge um, almost two years ago. Mm. Kind of moved in here around October time and I suppose really since then it's been very much about building a community and letting people know we're here. I'd like to think the giant space within the window downstairs would help, <laughs> uh, along with all the board games. Yeah. Uh, we're very lucky that we're obviously on the high street compared to being in like a, a retail unit or high or off, off the beaten track. But no, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's been really good. We've, we've managed to build a really good community of like 
sort of 30 or 40 people um, that come on a regular basis um, across the various different nights that we offer in the week, whether it's the, the board game crowd to the role-playing crowd mm. to the tabletop crowd or just the crowd that want to come down and just be with everybody else and enjoy the atmosphere of being in a creative environment. Yeah, that's one of the great things about Castle Gaming, I think, is the variety of stuff that you do here. It's not just board gaming. You do a lot of all kinds of different events and things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's very much a kind of open space. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've, we've tried to make it almost a kind of hip clean coffee shop rather than sort of dungeon so so to speak which which is very very easy for a lot of these shops to kind of become but no it's it's, it's very very clean very very open we you know we've, we've got uh, four decent sized tables downstairs a lot of time the guys will take multiple tables and put them together and have the the bigger rpg games uh, we've also got upstairs where we are now which we can put stuff on up here as well so yeah it's definitely a space it's it's nice and bright yeah as far as the role playing is concerned, there's various different groups running like different games and different systems, isn't there? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, at any one time we've got, we've got four or five uh, really big kind of RPG groups that are going mm-hmm. on. D and D, Dungeons and Dragons being being the big one. Call of Cthulhu, Go Cthulhu. Yeah. <laughs> for um, for a bunch of guys, there's a, a, a Mask of Narthotep campaign or, or Narlathotep, depending on how you want to pronounce it. <laughs> that's um, that's about to kick off. We do uh, Vampire the Masquerade, which I think is the fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a whole lot of one shots that go off down here as well. Uh, the vast majority of the time, it's really about what the players want to play, yeah. what, the, what the community yeah. wants to play, yeah. and we'll, we'll happily cater for that. Uh, we we can bring in experienced GMs or people that have run stuff before or there are other GMs that will approach us to, to run games they want and literally the guys will just rock up and it's very much an open door really yeah. so anyone can go and have a taste of what it's like to be a vampire in <laughs> Boston or whatever is, is the, the, the masquerade one they're doing yeah and uh, there's also uh, other events as well that you do like uh, painting and model making yeah, like well. yeah, we've um, we, we've tried to build the week around kind of caging for everybody, really. Mm. So uh, you know, so we've got Tuesday night that's kind of just open gaming for lack of a better term. Mm. Wednesday that's very much for, for yourself and the board game crowd. Yeah. Thursday that's for the, the painters out there and the guys that kind of want to um, either learn from a lot of the the, the the painters we've got in here or just just give it a try themselves. Uh, it's also nice to kind of have a bit of a bit of an, an open evening as well with that. Friday tends to be the big RPG night, so you know every man his dog will rock up, and we don't leave it till like one in the morning sometimes <laughs> um, as the games go on. And then literally Saturday and Sunday are there for you know other activities that they want, whether it's um, again one shot role playings or we've got uh, kids and dads that come in that want to learn the rules for how to play uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand that kind of thing. What, uh, what about yourself? Have you played any games recently? What's your favourite? Oh, uh, gosh, I wish I had time to play. Oh. <laughs> um, my, uh, my, my, my real day job, which unfortunately isn't this place, it's, it's in IT, mm. keeps me from, from playing a lot of things, but I do try right. to get on, um, get on the Xbox a fair bit and board game when I can. The, the one that I do tend to play more than anything else is Catan on my iPad. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a huge Catan fan. I've, I've loved it very much since I kind of had my first introduction into it. There's definitely something magic about those German board games. They tend to be cute and adorable and have a really robust rule set that just absolutely works. So yeah, Catan's a definite favourite. I also lo- love playing uh, Spartacus. Uh, Blood and Sand? Oh, yeah. Sand? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Spartacus Downs, so that's a that's a great one. Again, but when we all play, everyone has their 
particular house or faction and their way of playing, um, which again is, is I'm, I'm thinking back to loads of fun memories in the in the castle pub as well. Yeah. But yeah, outside of that, I think the main thing is just that I, I really do en- enjoy hobbying um, as well, the making and painting, but just like everyone, just I can't find enough time <laughs> yeah, in the sun yeah. Uh, yeah. to do it. But uh, <laughs> you know, if I could, I'd, I'd do it every day. Yeah. It would definitely be fantastic yeah. to do. If people need to find you on the internet or on Facebook, have they? And people get on with you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the um, obviously aside from being on the on the high street in Stocksbridge, um, just opposite Fox Valley, the easiest way is to find the Facebook group Castle Gaming. Uh, just keyword search that you should find us in the logo straight away, which is a ironically enough a black logo with a white castle on it. Since that's Castle Gaming. But no, I mean, yeah, literally, you use the Facebook page to contact us. Yeah. Um, Send send the message either myself uh, or one of the guys will pick it up. Whether it's requests for for games or I want to learn something, through to can you order me you know this in? Uh, more than happy to, to do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for your time. No, thank and you. I'll speak to you again soon. All the best, right? Cheers. Bye. So, question of the week. This was uh, this was uh, suggested by Paul C, who's one of our one of our members who comes to the club. How do you deal with alpha gamers in cooperative games? So, we probably should explain that um, a cooperative game is where everybody's kind of playing together. You're all playing as a team. You'll either win or lose as a team. So, there's no individual players. Uh, and an alpha gamer is where uh, one person will take control, uh, and he won't let you kind of make your own decisions. So, he'll say, "You move here, do this." put this there and then you do this and do this I'll do this and then that's it right go and uh, kind of takes that decision making away from you mm. so I really I really like cooperative games they're one of my favourite kind of games and I've got, mm. got quite a few already uh, so, some games don't have that problem because they either have hidden information or there's, there's too much going on where you can't kind of uh, keep track of everything that's in you know that's going on at once so you, you kind of have your own your own little board and you have your a timer or something like that that cuts down on that kind of thing so sometimes it's down to the, to the game itself and one one of the uh, main culprits that always gets their finger pointed at it perhaps is, uh, is pandemic so pandemic's a classic game that's been out for a few years now and that's always accused of having a, an alpha gamer problem i think i think i might have been really lucky in this aspect that i've never really i've never really come across this problem i've never really had this issue um, so it's not really not really a problem for myself, but I can see how I can see how people would say, "Oh, this is the optimal move." You know, you need to do this, do this, do this, and right, you need to do this, and then you you know, if you're not doing that, you're not going to win the game. Then it kind of be kind of can be a bit of a problem. I, I know, and I think in the copy I've got, it says it suggests that the cards that you hold, you know, the cards that have the cities on them, you can play them with them in your hand rather than kind of face upon the table, and that that kind of negates that a little bit. Yeah, I've never played with uh, a pandemic without having cards out on the table for everyone to see. No, but no, uh, me neither. <laughs> I don't think anyone has. I think that's the the way it says in the in the rules to have it in, yeah. in your hand. But yeah, no, I don't think anyone plays like that. Uh, but I've I've never had a problem with um, uh, with that either. Really, I don't think. I think board games are just far too nice. We, well, we yes. must play with like the not really nice people. So if let's say theoretical that did so theoretically that did happen, then somebody you know somebody came to your table and said, right, you need to do this on your turn. If you don't do that, we're going to lose. Is that is that being cooperative or is that being is that me being forceful and telling you what you're gonna, you're going to do? It might depend on the the skill of the game that they're talking to or instructing, because um, it. Obviously, in some ways, the game is you winning and losing as a team, so they're trying to do what's best for the team. Um, mm. 
I mean, obviously, it'd be best if you were able to work that out. But you know, you might not have been able to, or you might not have seen that, or they, you know, they might have realised what needs to be done, um, and it might be something that needs to be done rather than something that perhaps could be done. Um, hmm. So it might also depend on just how how they literally the tone of the voice when they say it as well, possibly something like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a fine line, isn't there? I mean, you, these cooperative games, you do you do discuss things and you try and work out the best the best route to the best way to do things so it, it, you know if somebody's coming up with a plan and and, and they think that's going to be the best move then that's that's part of the game isn't it that's part yeah, of what makes bit. it cooperative but then again on there's a fine line where you know where do you step over the mark and and mm. sort of take over and start doing things for other people yeah i mean I, I would say if you're sort of you know suggesting things and you know sort of as kind of questions i'm just going to do this do you think that's all right kind of thing mm. um, rather than just saying what well, you you know or maybe I think you should do that. What do you think? Sort of phrasing it more as a question than as an order, or as yeah. a suggestion than an order would probably be better. Yeah. I think as long as everyone's then involved in analysing it and saying, "Oh yes, that be- means because that would uh, then move over there and we'd be able to do that." Yeah, that seems like a good idea. Well done. Let's do that. That might be okay if it's just yeah. someone saying what to do and someone else disengaging because oh well, what should I do? Do this? Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, that would be a bad just, thing. But I think. Um, this yeah. problem would mainly come up if you've got people of very different um, skill levels with that game. So if there's someone who, who's played mm-hmm. it 40 times uh, and someone else yeah. who's playing it for the first time and wouldn't necessarily be confident in their own skills in it, yeah, then they might finished. not be in a position to uh, put their own views forward. So if, yeah. someone, so if someone does tell them, then they're just going to say, oh, all right, I'll do that then. So if you've you've played Pandemic quite a lot. So yeah. if you if you're joining in a game with somebody who's only played it once or twice, like me, for and, and you see you see a good move that's, that that you know they they've obviously missed as part of the cooperative game, you'd obviously say, yeah, you know, you you need to move there and do this, do that. Is is that something that you'd do, or, or would you ever would there ever come a point where you'd let people kind of work it out for themselves? Oh, I totally pull be- back a little bit. I'd totally try not to be the alpha gamer and uh, let people <laughs> <laughs> out for themselves. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, you can you know suggest things. There's something that Paula has occasionally done when I've <laughs> tried suggesting things, like, "Oh, you yeah. can do that there." There, she go, "Oh, right. Well, I'm definitely do- not doing that then." <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and then she carries, carries on analysing things, but that is now off the table. That option is not op- not happening. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> She's got to work out something on it on her own. Yeah. Yeah, if if you know the players well as well, yeah. uh, you, you you know they're going to take it they're going to take it the right way as well. Yeah. So if you if you're being quite forceful and saying right, you've got to do this on your turn, then then you know if if if, if you know the players, then yeah, you can treat it as a bit of a joke, or you can say yeah, right, I will I will do that, I'll I'll do it this time, and then perhaps on my next turn I'll do something different. I think I think that's a lot to do with it as well. Like you said, Tom, with the. Uh, with you know, if you play quite a lot and you play with new people, then perhaps you want to take them, let them take the front seat. But yeah, I mean, in the end, it doesn't matter if you've won or lost. I mean, but if you're just taking over from someone and they've become totally disengaged, then you've definitely lost, even if you win yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah, that's you've. It's definitely not as enjoyable. I played um, I played Spirit Island recently, uh, and that's one of the games where it's that complicated that you can't really. You can't really tell people what to do on their turn because there's that many abilities and that much stuff going on. You, you, you know, you're constantly thinking about your own stuff that what you can do rather than, mm-hmm. rather than. So sometimes it, it's you know it's down to the game as well, perhaps. 
some some games suffer from it slightly more than others. Yeah, it sort of depends how the cooperative bit works. Whether you've got individual roles or whether you have individual turns, or whether you're sort of all working. You know, if you're doing something like a, an escape room game, for example, you you haven't got individual player turns. You're all sort of working on puzzles together. Mm. Whereas mm. in I don't know, pandemic, you might have, I think you have an individual turn each. Um, so it'll, it'll be a bit different. Or in you know, it's just have a turn each, so you'll do certain things on your turn. Then it, then it's you're not the active player at that point, kind of thing. So, it, in terms of when you're in charge, as it were, will you know you'll be you like to be in charge on your turn. Hmm. Um, so you'll be in a turn-based game. You'll be in turn in in charge at sort of certain points. Whereas in a like escape room type games, there is no there are no turns, so any one person could be in charge at any one time. That's possibly more prone to half a game. I don't know. Some people just don't like cooperative games as well, don't they? I know yeah. a couple of people at the club just dislike them and won't even play them. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think this is necessarily a problem. Why? Because, they, you know, you've got an alpha player in there. It's just that they don't particularly like that that style of game. Yeah. What, what about like things like timers? If you've got like a, time, a sand timer in there or a cube or something to stop, you know, stop people, set people have a, have a set time to make their move, do you think that would help? Or, or would it just be more stressful? <laughs> uh... I mean, it depends on the people in question. I mean, I've seen, I've, I've played, and I've seen people playing Terror in Mars with with the cube to make the t- um, goes go faster. So people mm. are aware of that and will adhere to that, and you know, are not going to get a sort of never. That's going to be a key thing before the game starts. Might be more. It depends how good you are at sort of planning quickly and how flustered mm. you get at sort of time limits. Um, in terms of a cooperative game. And I thought for a cooperative game, it's less necessary because you're kind of all working together anyway. So, yeah, I think in a way, uh, a time limit could take away the um, the relaxed nature of letting people make up their own things and make people more likely to be alpha players. Like, oh, you have to do that now, otherwise we're going to run out of time. Yeah, so. potentially. It depends on the nature of the game. Obviously, the unlock games have a time built in anyway. Um, and then something like that pandemic, you're trying to save the world, so there's kind of a pressure element anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends what the sort of the theme is, and you know how how relaxed it is. Yeah, so some of the games come with a timer as well built in. So I'm thinking of Fuse that I think we've played a couple of times, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one where you get an app and you've got a timer and everybody's working on their own little little yeah. puzzle in front of them. I don't think it's possible to be an alpha, alpha player there. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so perhaps that's the uh, that's the uh, answer is to kind of swap over to that style of game where you you, you know you, you don't get time to do it or it's it's not possible to to pick other people's turns apart because you you're concentrating on your own your own move at that point. Uh, no, I think uh, just okay. um, the general yeah. rule of playing board games and play with people you like. Yeah. If there's someone annoying, just try not to play games with them. Yeah, if you, yeah, just try and avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Playing games, anybody think it might be an alpha game or yeah, might, uh, you know. yeah, as a as a kind of last resort, I guess if if you know that people are going to going to do that, then you get all the alpha gamers together and let them play a pandemic together. <laughs> see who wins. Alpha, yeah. <laughs> so you're going to out alpha yeah. all the other alphas. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, well, that pretty much wraps it up for uh, for this episode. Then thank you both for joining me. Thanks, Tom and Samuel, for joining me. Uh, it's been great having you on. Yes, yeah, uh, you on. can. Thank you for joining us. We've uh, we're available on Facebook. You can kind of contact us through there. Uh, we're on the forum, which is www.sheffieldboardgamers.com. You can email us, which is sheffieldboardgamers at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram. We're on YouTube. 
Uh, if you want to play some games with us, uh, have a look on there and find when we're when we're playing and come and play. We we we, uh, we always welcome new players, and uh, we'll see you hopefully next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.